Well, this Advent season, we have been using the tradition of the Jesse tree to have the scripture story point us to Jesus. And as we add ornaments to the Jesse tree, we're seeing aspects of the story of the Bible that help us to understand who Jesus is and what he came to accomplish. In other words, what Christmas is all about. So far, we've seen the first 20 ornaments, each of which point us to Jesus in some way. And I'm going to wait till the end to review all of those this morning. Instead, this morning, we're going to jump right in and we'll add the final five ornaments and learn how they help us along in understanding the story of Jesus and his arrival at Christmas. And this morning, while our focus is still on the Christmas story, some of our ornaments are going to help us by giving us a glance ahead in the story. They'll help us to see why Jesus came and what he came to do. And that will help us to fill out and remember the full meaning of Christmas. So our first ornament today is the heart. And this represents the heart of Mary, Jesus' mother. When you think of all that happened to Joseph and Mary leading up to Jesus' birth and all the things that happened on that night, all of these events must have been very overwhelming to Mary. She faced the embarrassment and shame of being pregnant before she was married. She was away from home when she gave birth. She was in a crowded town and she was stuck with the animals. She had angels appearing to her and telling her that her child would be the Messiah. She had shepherds show up just a few hours after she gave birth to Jesus, wanting to see the baby. It would have been a lot to take in. And Luke tells us, after he recounts the visit of the shepherds, in Luke chapter 2, verse 19, that Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary's heart was full with all that had happened. She pondered these things. She thought about them. She remembered them. She considered them. She treasured up all of these things. When a woman gave birth in the ancient world, in Israel, there was a certain amount of time that she had to wait before she was able to go into the temple courts when that time was fulfilled after the birth of Jesus, Joseph and Mary went to the temple, and in the temple courts, Luke tells us that they met a man named Simeon. Simeon had been told by God that before he died, God would allow him to see the Messiah. When Simeon saw Joseph and Mary and Jesus in the temple area, the Holy Spirit led him to them. And Simeon took Jesus in his arms, and he blessed God, and here's what Simeon said. This is Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 29. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles, and for glory to your people Israel. And then... Simeon turned to Mary specifically and told her, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. A sword 
will pierce through your own soul also. When Jesus was born, Mary treasured all these things in her heart. But, Simeon said, her heart would also be broken. Her soul would be pierced because Jesus was destined for the cross. Jesus would go through tremendous suffering and Mary would be there to see it. All of us who are parents know how difficult it is to watch your child go through something extremely painful or difficult. So Mary's experiences are the extremes. The extreme joy and wonder of Christmas, joy and wonder that she treasured up in her heart, and extreme pain and sorrow as Jesus would suffer and die. Who would be willing to come up and hang the, or the heart ornament on for us? Josephine, come on up. You got the next one. All right, here's our heart ornament. Go ahead and hang that on there for us. Thank you. Well, the next ornament on our Jesse tree this morning is the dove. And the dove reminds us of the baptism of Jesus by John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was Jesus's second cousin. John's mother was Elizabeth, and Elizabeth was Mary's cousin. So Jesus and John are second cousins. And John had gone out into the wilderness for years, ministering as a prophet. He wore a camel's hair garment and a leather belt. He ate honey and locusts. He was in the mold of Elijah the prophet. And John's message was a message of repentance. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John wanted the people to prepare themselves for the arrival of God, and he knew that the people were sinful, and that if God showed up, they would deserve judgment. He told the people that he was baptizing people for repentance, but the one who was coming after him, the Messiah, would bring the Holy Spirit and fire. He would separate the righteous from the wicked. Well, one day Jesus came out to be baptized by John. And here's how Matthew tells the story in Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to John to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. And he consented. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. When Jesus told John that it was fitting for them to fulfill all righteousness, he was saying that God's plan of executing justice and righteousness included this. God's promises and prophecies would be fulfilled, and Jesus would be seen as the perfectly righteous, law-keeping Son of God. Jesus didn't need to be baptized for repentance. He didn't have anything to repent of. He had never sinned. When Jesus went down into the water, he was identifying with his people. 
people who did need to repent of their sin. Jesus would be their king, their champion, their representative. Today, when we're baptized, it's the same thing kind of in reverse. We are identifying with Jesus in his death and resurrection. Jesus's baptism and ours are similar in that way, but they're different too. When Jesus was baptized, the Spirit of God descended on him like a dove. And the Father spoke from heaven and said, this is my beloved Son with whom I'm well pleased. So here we have the whole Trinity together. The Father speaks. The Son is being baptized. The Holy Spirit comes to anoint him. The Trinity is working together to fulfill all righteousness, to fulfill the promises of God, to accomplish our salvation. And that's why Jesus came. That's why Christmas happened. So let's hang the dove ornament on our Jesse tree. Very good. Thank you. Well, the next ornament this morning for our Jesse tree is the candle. Now, the candle is a traditional symbol of Christmas, but the candle also reminds us that Jesus is the light of the world. Isaiah gives us a number of prophecies about the Messiah, and one of them is found in Isaiah chapter 9. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Another similar prophecy is found in Isaiah chapter 42. And I'll read just one verse from that prophecy for you. Isaiah 42, the second half of verse 6 says, I will give you as a covenant for the people, a light for the nations. See, when the Messiah came, he would be a light for the nations. The nations were in darkness, spiritual darkness, not able to see the truth. But God would shine the light of truth, and Jesus would be that light. In fact, Matthew tells us that as Jesus moved around the country carrying out his ministry, he fulfilled that first prophecy that I read about the light shining on people who walked in darkness. And Jesus actually said it about himself, too. Jesus says in John chapter 8, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Does your family ever drive around at Christmas and look at the lights? Our family likes to do that every once in a while. We've been to Ogilvy to see the lights there. Years ago, we drove through the light display at Bristol Motor Speedway. Most years, we get around to at least see some of the houses that are lit up really nice. Well, there's a reason that Christmas is a season of lights. That candles and Christmas lights are symbols that, that recognize the birth of Jesus. Because the arrival of Jesus at Christmas is the arrival of the light of the world. The nations that walked in darkness have seen a great light. The light of truth has shone in Jesus. 
So who would come up and put the candle ornament on the Jesse tree for us? I see a hand way back there. Cora? Can you hang that on there for us? Thank you. Well, the next ornament this morning is the cross. This obviously points us to the crucifixion of Jesus. And as we get to the end of the Jesse tree, we do have one more ornament after this one. But as we come to the, the end of the Jesse tree, we're coming to the reason that Jesus came to earth. The reason for Christmas. Jesus came to die. When Jesus died on the cross, it wasn't just an unfortunate situation. It wasn't simply that he made the wrong people angry. It wasn't that he was a really nice guy who was setting, setting an example of nonviolence for us. It wasn't that he was just a good teacher who was showing us an example of loving everyone. No, Jesus died to satisfy God's wrath. God was rightly carrying out the penalty for the sins of his people. All of Christ's people, all those who have faith like Abraham, all those who trust Jesus for salvation, all those that Jesus represents, all those who submit to Jesus as king, all of Christ's people were sinners who deserve to die. But Jesus died in their place. Jesus took the penalty for our sin on himself. This wasn't God's plan B. This wasn't a surprise. This was the plan all along. Listen to what Jesus himself said to his disciples in Luke chapter 18, verses 31 to 33. Jesus says, see, we are going up to Jerusalem and everything written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill him. And on the third day, he will rise. Jesus went to Jerusalem because he intended to die as a sacrifice for our sins and to rise again on the third day. That was the plan all along. Some Christians think that this was a plan that God came up with partway through human history as he realized that all of Adam's descendants would just continue to be sinners. But that's simply not what the Bible teaches. And Jesus explained this to his followers. After Jesus died on the cross and rose again, he walked along the road with two disciples who hadn't heard the news yet that Jesus had risen. And Jesus kept them from recognizing who he was. And he talked with them about what was happening. And they told him about what had happened to Jesus. And they said, we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. They were confused. They heard all the prophecies about the Messiah King. And they were waiting for a victorious ruler who would kick out the Romans but they didn't know how to put those prophecies together with the prophecies that said 
the Messiah would suffer. And all the pictures and types of sacrifice in the tabernacle and the temple. You see, Jesus was the answer to all of those prophecies and shadows and types. He came as a king, but it was a shepherd king who would lay down his life for his sheep. A lamb who would be the perfect final sacrifice for the sins of his people. And after he paid the penalty for our sins, then he would rise from the dead, winning a great victory over Satan and sin and death. And he would ascend to heaven and take his place on the throne as king, beginning the long process of putting all his enemies under his feet and growing his kingdom until, as the Old Testament promised, one day it would cover the whole earth. And here's how Luke tells us that those two disciples responded, excuse me, how Jesus responded to those two disciples who were so confused. We had hoped he was the one. And Jesus said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ, the Messiah, should suffer these things and enter into his glory. And beginning with Moses and the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. The cross was always part of God's plan. At the cross, Jesus displays perfectly for us who God is. We see his mercy and his justice, his wrath and his love. We see law and we see grace. And at the cross, Jesus pays the sin penalty for the sins of all of his people. That's why Jesus came to earth. That's why Christmas happened. The baby in the manger came in order to accomplish our salvation. And he would do that through his death and resurrection. Who would put the cross ornament on the tree for us? Wherever you'd like. Good job. Thank you. Well, the last ornament for our Jesse tree is the baby Jesus. And here, rather than adding anything new this morning, I want to take one last look back over what we've seen this Advent season. Let's think one more time about what each of these ornaments has reminded us of about Jesus. And maybe some of the things that we're talking about this morning are the very things that Jesus explained to those two disciples along the road to Emmaus. The tree stump. Reminds us of the importance of seeing Jesus' family tree. Jesus' family line includes great kings like David, and men of faith like Abraham, and a lot of normal everyday people like you and me. And many of the people in that family tree have something to tell us about who Jesus is. The world ornament reminds us of the import, excuse me, of creation of mankind's creation in the image of God and of Jesus who perfectly displays that image of God in man. 
The apple ornament reminds us of mankind's fall into sin. The disobedience of Adam and Eve. And as their descendants, we are just like them. All of us sinners. And this also points us then to the need for a savior. Someone who could come and rescue us from our sins. The rainbow ornament reminds us of God's mercy as God promised Noah that he would never again destroy the earth with a flood. Well, that mercy of God is ultimately shown to us in Jesus. Because when Jesus takes God's wrath against our sin, that means that we no longer bear that judgment ourselves. God has shown us mercy. The tent ornament reminds us of God's promise to Abraham, of the promised land. Abraham had to leave his home and wander through the land that God had promised, camping throughout that land. Abraham and his descendants would inherit the land of Canaan as God fulfilled that promise. And that points us to the greater meaning of that promise, that Jesus, as the king, would inherit the whole world. And as his people, we share in that inheritance. The star reminds us of God's promise of descendants to Abraham. Those who have faith in Jesus are the true descendants of Abraham, a number of people greater than the stars of the heavens, a great multitude that no one can number. The latter reminds us of Jacob's dream with heavenly beings descending to the earth and ascending to heaven. And Jesus himself said, that he was Jacob's ladder. Jesus is the connecting point between heaven and earth. Jesus comes from heaven to earth to rescue us from our sins, and he ascends to heaven to rule and reign. The coat reminds us of the story of Joseph and how God uses the wickedness of men for good. And the most wicked act in all of human history, the crucifixion of Jesus, is what God uses to accomplish the great good of our salvation. The Ten Commandments reveal the perfect law of God, and they point us to Jesus, who perfectly fulfills and establishes God's law, whereas we fail to keep God's law. The grapes reminded us of the blessing that God promises his people by faith, blessings which God gives to us in Christ. The wall ornament reminds us of the story of Jericho and Rahab. In Rahab, who's in the line of Christ, we see once again that it is by faith that one becomes part of the family of God. And the wheat ornament, or, or the barley, reminds us of the story of Ruth. Another foreigner who became part of the family of God by faith. And Boaz, who redeems Ruth, points us to Jesus, our Redeemer. Ruth, like Rahab, is in the family tree of Jesus. The slingshot ornament reminds us of David and Goliath. David had been anointed, but not yet crowned as king. But he went out as Israel's representative to defeat Goliath. The same is true of Jesus when he went to the cross. He had been anointed by the Holy Spirit in his baptism, but he hadn't yet ascended to take the throne when he went to the cross as our representative king. David was the serpent-crushing 
representative of God's people who's a king in the line of Jesus. The sheep ornament reminds us that David is the shepherd king, and Jesus too would be our shepherd king, announced to the shepherds because he is the Lamb of God, and he's also the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. The altar ornament reminded us of the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. Jesus is the one and only way to the one and only God. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet reminds us of the prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He's the one who brings peace and righteousness and justice for God's people. The lion reminds us of the story of Daniel. Daniel's story points us to Jesus, and Christmas is the arrival of the king whose kingdom will never be destroyed and whose dominion shall be to the end. The Bethlehem ornament reminds us of Micah's prophecy of where the Messiah king would be born. And the Christmas story shows us how God directs all of human history to fulfill his promises and to accomplish salvation for his people. The angel reminds us of the announcement of Jesus' birth and the heavenly army that came to celebrate the arrival of their commander-in-chief, their king. The shepherd's staff ornament reminds us of why the announcement came to the shepherds. Jesus would be the shepherd king and the lamb who was the perfect final sacrifice for our sin. And the shepherds also showed us what our response to Christmas should be, to tell others about Jesus and to glorify and praise God for the birth of his son. The heart this morning reminded us of Mary's heart. Mary treasured up the joy and wonder of Christmas. She also experienced the heartache of seeing her son suffer and die because Jesus came to die for our sins. The dove points us to Jesus' baptism by John the Baptist. Jesus identified with us, his sinful people, though he himself had not sinned. Anointed by the Holy Spirit and approved by God the Father, Jesus would accomplish the plan of God to save his people. The candle reminds us that Jesus is the light of the world who brings light to those who walked in darkness. The light of life comes in the person of Jesus. The cross tells us why Jesus came to accomplish our salvation. This was God's plan all along, that Jesus would die in our place as our representative, paying the penalty for our sin. And the baby reminds us of Jesus' birth and all that it represents. I hope that our journey through these ornaments of the Jesse tree this year has been beneficial to you in helping you to understand why Christmas happened. But more than that, I hope that it's been honoring to God because God loves to hear his word recounted to him. And we've recounted his plan and his great work of salvation in Christ. So on this Christmas morning, we join with the shepherds and the angels in celebrating this great news. Great joy for all the people, for unto you is born this day in the city of David 
a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Who would like to come put the baby ornament on? And put that right on there. All right, good job. Thank you. Let's go ahead and pray together. Lord, we thank you even just for a, a tool that's a, a just kind of a tradition like the Jesse tree that helps us to kind of think through again the story of Christmas, hopefully in a fresh way. We've been able to go all over the place through the Bible to see how all of these different prophecies and promises and types and shadows all came together in Bethlehem in the birth of Jesus. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He's our savior. He's our shepherd king. He came to die in our place for our sins. And on Christmas morning, when often we just kind of uh, float along with the sentimentalism of the holiday, I pray that you would help us this morning, this Christmas morning, to remember the true reason of why you came to die for our sins in our place and to rise again victorious over Satan and sin and death. And it is that great work that gives us life and light and joy and peace this Christmas. We pray this this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.